Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. We are continuing the entire month-long lead-up to Earth Day, and today's episode is going to make quite a splash. Joining us, we have Frances Kinney, founder and executive director of Ocean Connectors. This exciting nonprofit educates and inspires youth through learning about and seeing marine life in coastal communities, both here in the U.S. and Mexico. Ocean Connectors' educational programs are so popular. The organization is launching a social enterprise arm to help create sustainable growth. Francis, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I have to admit, I'm really excited. You, I think, are my last San Diego feature that I have for quite a while. What an honor. Yeah. We are so lucky to live in such a beautiful community and, yes, coastal oceans, all of it. Yes, I feel very fortunate to live here. And with Ocean Connectors, we get to show some of those spectacular local natural wonders to the people that live here and as well as tourists. And as you mentioned, people down in Mexico, too. Yeah, I was actually I spent the weekend and I went stand up paddleboarding right in Coronado. It was so stunning and peaceful and beautiful. (laughs) Were you able to see any of the green sea turtles that live in San Diego? I know, but that would have been awesome. I did see a stingray, however, and I kind of lost my balance a little bit and got a little shaky. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, he came by and was like, oh, there's a stingray. There's a stingray. And, you know, my paddleboard gets all wobbly. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) There's actually a population of about 60 green sea turtles that live in San Diego Bay. And it's something that not a lot of people know. But I've heard that paddleboarders and kayakers see them out there sometimes. So where is the best place to go in San Diego to see these? You know, it's pretty tough to spot them or at least to plan on spotting them because it's a feeding population. So what that means is they're not coming out to nest. They're not coming on the beaches. They're feeding on eelgrass in San Diego Bay. So actually, we don't know exactly where they're congregating, but you just never know. They could pop up right next to you sometime when you're out on the water, particularly in the South Bay and over by Coronado. Man, I totally missed out. Yeah. Well, it's something we really want boaters and all the people that use San Diego Bay to be aware of just so that they can keep a lookout for the sea turtles and do their best to protect them. Wow. Well, next time I go out in the bay, I'm going to be looking for some sea turtles. Yeah. Good idea. Great idea. (laughs) So you described a little bit about this amazing ecosystem and all the marine life we have here in San Diego. What is your favorite animal per se? Mm, That's a tough one. I'm definitely partial towards sea turtles because I have so many good friends that work in sea turtle conservation and research, but I really do love whales and we've been having some incredible whale watching luck lately out on the water and off the coast of San Diego. So I guess I'll have to pick the gray whale because they're just such a charismatic migratory animal. And in our organization, Ocean Connectors, we focus on migratory marine animals. So the gray whale does this incredible approximately 10,000 mile migration round trip from the Arctic to Mexico every year. And I am just so impressed by that. 
You know somebody loves marine life when they describe a whale as charismatic. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't quite like Dory from Finding Nemo, but you described a whale. I love it. That's a compliment. <laughs> you mentioned that you guys have been seeing some whales a lot, and I was stalking you on your Facebook page, and you guys talked about a false killer whale. I have never heard of this term. What exactly is that? Yes. Well, a false killer whale is basically a large dolphin. They're all black and they're closely related to pilot whales. And we actually had a friendly debate on board our whale watching boat, whether we were seeing a pilot whale or a false killer whale. It turned out it is a false killer whale and they haven't been spotted around San Diego for about four years. So everybody on board, even the naturalists and the tour guides was really getting excited because we just were seeing something so, so rare. And there was maybe about 50 of them all around the boat. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a really big group. And so sometimes you just get these incredible surprises in San Diego. We're just so lucky we have this rich biodiversity and all these different species, including a lot of rare and endangered species. So when you venture out across the ocean here, you can really see some cool stuff. Note to self, a false whale is actually just a big dolphin and not something that you just thought was a whale. Right. And even even more confusing, real killer whales, some of them actually do hunt false killer whales. So it can be pretty confusing. They're all called cetaceans. That's the big family name for whales, dolphins, and porpoises. <laughs> I'm glad that we have the opportunity just to call them whales, dolphin, and porpoises for all of those like me who just, we, I couldn't even say that word. <laughs> Yeah, for our sanity. (laughs) Amazing. Wow. Well, I'm really excited that we're going to talk about those eco tours later in the episode because it sounds like going out and exploring and looking for marine life, you are a lucky person to go with. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've spent many years studying the ecosystems of California. I grew up here playing outside and just discovering nature all on my own. And I've grown up just understanding how vital it is for everyone to get outside and form that connection with nature. And really, we want it to happen at a young age. We want kids and young adults out there exploring the environment and the ocean, because that's really when people like me fall in love with the environment is when you're a kid. I'm so glad you brought up the importance of engaging youth around this idea, because a cornerstone of Ocean Connectors is really inspiring and educating the youth. You touched on it a little bit, but can we really dive into why it's so essential to engage youth around this topic? Okay, sure, absolutely. So at this point, there's many, many studies and papers and research, and everything shows that exposure to nature needs to happen when we're young, and that people form their core identity and their core values of who they are when they're about 10 years old. So it's kind of phenomenal, but really it shows us that we have to teach kids when they're young the value of the environment and how natural resources need to be protected into the future. And as I have been living in San San Diego, I've been realizing that not all kids are getting this opportunity to explore the outdoors. And San Diego is known as a beautiful coastal city where you assume everybody goes to the beach all the time. But some of these kids are growing up in very industrial areas, very low income areas that don't have a lot of access to parks and green space. So when I made that realization, I wanted to make sure local kids are getting all the same opportunities that I was lucky to have to get outside, play with animals, go to the beach, and really just explore the outdoors. Because they've shown now that it makes you happier, makes you more alert, 
makes you more focused. And people that spend time in nature, they tend to do better in school and they tend to do better in their careers too. So there's some pretty incredible implications for being outside. And then when you add water to that equation, when people are by the beach or near a lake or a river, it's even a stronger impact. So now that we're discovering all this, we wanna make sure that everybody, even people in, in poor areas, that are industrial, that are far from natural areas. We want to make sure those kids get the same chances that other kids are getting. This way that you describe the relationship with nature is so fascinating, and I've never heard it put that way, that you're happier, that you're more alert, that you're going to do better in your school. And as you develop your identity around 10 years old, man, I didn't think I quite had mine figured out yet, so apparently I'm behind the boat. But that you're able to move forward and be more successful in your career, nature is pretty important. Yeah, it really it really is important. And I think we're finally realizing that and environmental education is becoming more mainstream and people are realizing that we need to take this extra effort to get kids outside and to make sure that they they build that understanding because really they are our future and we need to make sure these kids understand the value of everything that's around us. So you guys do environmental education so well. Growing up in a landlocked state, I'm actually very jealous about the types of programs you get to do where you have a sea turtle program, you have a California whale exploration, and you have a bird and habitat study. What was kind of the idea of creating those three programs? It all started with sea turtles. That was our original, our, our case study species because we have such great sea turtle researchers here in San Diego and a local population of green sea turtles. So it started with green sea turtles. And then as we were growing and receiving more support from people in San Diego and Mexico, we realized that we could develop another curriculum and expand. So all of our programs are focused on migratory sea life. So we added the gray whale program and then the bird program program so that students would have a chance to learn about something new every year. So now students are studying sea turtles in fourth grade, whales in fifth grade, and birds in sixth grade. And that really retains their interest. They look forward to studying something new each year. And then with each species, we have a stewardship behavior that we're trying to teach. So we really want to give these kids tangible ways that they can help the environment. It's not just telling them that there's a lot of problems and not offering solutions. We describe the species that they're focusing on. They watch its migratory route and they track the animal as it travels across the Pacific. And then they get a chance to really make a difference by learning what issues affect that animal. And then they can take those facts home and share it with their family. And we really want these kids to, to choose behaviors that are not destructive to the environment. Oh, wow. Such a comprehensive program and so many aspects to kind of dig into. But first, you keep on touching back on this migratory animal. And we talked a little bit about the excursion that the whales do. What kind of migratory path do the sea turtles take? So there's a variety of different routes depending on the species, but green sea turtles in San Diego, our little local population of about 60 sea turtles, they migrate to islands off the coast of Mexico. So they're islands off the coast of around Michoacan. So the sea turtles in San Diego will head down there to lay their eggs, and then they'll come back to San Diego to continue feeding. So we actually have this, this special local 
group of sea turtles that heads down to Mexico and then comes back. But other green sea turtles make, make different migrations. But the green sea turtle is just a direct link to our neighbors on the other side of the border down south. And Ocean Connectors has really been built on the understanding that we have to work together to protect these animals, that migratory species know no boundaries. And for us to protect them, we've got to work with our neighbors and other countries and really consider global conservation methods. Wow, one program that focuses on migratory animals really opens the door to so many different conversations. Global conservations, working with your neighbors, environmental issues. These are some comprehensive topics that students are working with. Yeah, yeah, it's very broad and also very in-depth, and the students get a chance to work with real experts in all these different fields, experts from the National Marine Fisheries Service and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Birch Aquarium. So students are getting this one-on-one role model opportunity with local experts, and so that opens their minds to all different career opportunities, and it really forms the, the basis and foundation of what environmental education is. So there's so many different components of your guys' programs. You have the education component. You have working with the experts. What are the students' favorite part of the program? Hmm. I have to say that whale watching, which is our fifth grade program and our fifth grade field trip, really is tough to beat. For most of our audience, when they go on the whale watching boat, which is owned by Flagship Cruises and Events, one of our main partners, they share the most incredible comments. I even had a student recently tell me that it was the best day of his life aboard the whale watching. Whoa, that's a high bar. Yeah, it was a very high bar. And I found out later that one of his parents is in jail and that he's got a lot of tough stuff going on at home. And so for us to give him that opportunity, even if it was just one day away from his troubles and on the water, seeing some incredible animals, that is so rewarding. And so I'm fortunate to see moments like that all the time. And I have to say that whale watching seems to be the biggest crowd pleaser because most of these kids have never been on a boat before. A lot of them have never even been downtown to where the harbor is before. So it's a lot of sensory overload as they're just taking in so many new experiences all at once. Yeah, and when you go on those excursions, you have a variety to see so many different animals. And even throughout the year, the individuals who take you on them, oftentimes they'll work to bring other aspects in, especially when they do educational tours. Absolutely. They really gain so much from those tours. Oh, I have to admit... I. I really did when I learned that most kids got to go on a whale watching tour in school. Once again, landlocked me. (laughs) I was a little jealous. I was like, dude, that's super cool. Yeah, thank you. And this year we're on track to take about 600 fifth graders whale watching and none of them will pay anything. It'll all be for free. Oh, how rewarding. So after the kids go through this program, What are some takeaways that they have? Either do they change their habits? Are they more in tune to environmental issues? Are they really focusing on different environmental or conservative efforts? Our mission is to educate, inspire, and connect youth with the Pacific Coast. So we hope that they come out knowing more, feeling more excited about the environment, and having that strong connection to the outdoors. But what we're really looking to cultivate is those stewardship behaviors. So we really want these students learning practical ways that they can help. So fourth graders are focused on waste management and the three R's. We talk about single-use plastic and really how kids can make choices 
choices day to day that will help sea life. And in the fifth grade, we discuss issues like bycatch and seafood sustainability. So coaching the kids to select seafood that is less harmful for the oceans. And in the sixth grade, we talk about habitat protection and picking up litter and planting native plants. So we're really trying to give this holistic view of how all the ecosystems are connected and all the different habitats need, need to be protected. So there's a whole lot that's going on in each of the different grade levels. But what we want to see years later as these kids grow up and transition into adulthood, we want to see them continuing to practice those stewardship behaviors. So we're now trying to survey the kids, and we've been conducting evaluations at later points in life, such as high school and post-high school, to see if they're still following those steps that we described to them. So we've done one long-term assessment so far, and that was of students that were in high school. They were seniors, graduating seniors, who had participated in Ocean Connectors about six years previously. And it was a scary time because for us, it was really an important moment where we would see how impactful our programs had been over the years. And the results were really wonderful. About 70% of the students were still practicing the stewardship behaviors that they learned in childhood. And 99% of the students were on track to attend college. So it was really exciting to see that after six years, in their teenage years, which is a tough time, these students still remembered their Ocean Connectors lessons from six years previously. Wow, that's a lot of patience as a nonprofit to really start to measure those results. And even then, you know, having connected with one-to-one movement, um, who also champions a lot of environmental efforts with kids, so many times the impact that you have is so intangible that, you know, it can be kind of hard, but I'm very excited that you had those moments where you got to connect with them and really see the results of your work come to life. Yeah, I agree. It's very important. So you talked a lot about some different ideas for stewardship, and you had mentioned some conservation tips. Can you share a couple of tips for our listeners that they can apply to their lives? Absolutely, and I I would encourage everyone to start small because you don't have to go crazy to to make a difference. You can just take small steps every day, and and they can be little steps. And so I think it's um, becoming more clear to most people that single-use plastic, single-use disposable plastic, is a really bad thing for the oceans. And it's not that we're littering it on purpose into the water, but I tell our students that trash is sneaky, and plastic particularly sneaks into the oceans during wind, and rain and and into watersheds and storm drains, it gets into the ocean. And it's been shown now to be killing sea turtles and even killing huge, huge whales. Small pieces of plastic are getting lodged in their intestines and stomachs and and causing these incredible animals to die. And, And they're really suffering too. So all the species we focus on, sea turtles, whales, and birds, they're very impacted by the ingestion of single use plastic. So that means things like straws and plastic forks. And of course, plastic bags and even things like plastic lighters. If we can all try to cut down on how much of that stuff we're using, we're going to see a lot less trash on our beaches and it's going to really help biodiversity and and marine life. So try to step away from single-use plastic and really that can be some of the, one of the biggest steps anyone can take. But also I encourage people to think about their seafood choices. A lot of people that love the oceans and think they're they're doing their part to help don't realize how their dinner plate can really be having a negative effect 
particularly if you eat shrimp. Shrimp is linked to a lot of bycatch, and bycatch is essentially the accidental capture of non-target species. So what that means is it's, it's animals or fish that were that were captured by accident in fishing nets or on fishing lines or hooks, and they usually die. So for sea turtles and whales, they may drown, or you may have fish or invertebrates that are caught along with other fish that wasn't that weren't being targeted. And so what that is 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 very wasteful. It's it's catching and killing things that we're not using, that we're not hunting. In many cases, they're protected species that, that shouldn't be caught anyway. So by educating yourself about seafood and about safe seafood, you can really make a big difference and help save dolphins and sea turtles and whales. So I usually refer people to the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch Guide or the Blue Ocean Institute Seafood Guide. Both of those are handy little guides you can look at online, and sometimes it's just as simple as subbing one type of seafood for another, and you can make a huge difference in that way. And it doesn't mean you can't eat seafood, you just have to put a little thought into it. You're right, they're so tangible, just from even just evaluating how much single-use plastic we have in our lives and kind of limiting that to just making smarter food choices and saying, you know, maybe I'm going to opt for this type of seafood over that one. Those are so simple yet tactical steps that we can all apply today and they make a huge impact. Absolutely. And those, those impacts really add up. Wow. Well, next, I really want to dive into your social enterprise component because this is so exciting. You guys are launching eco tours, which are not just for students. They're for individuals of any single age. And you guys are exploring both the San Diego Bay National Wildlife Refuge and the ocean, helping connect tourists and locals to some of the really unique opportunities that you guys have created for these students. And so can you tell us a little bit about your motivation for creating these eco tours? Absolutely. So Ocean Connectors has been really growing since we started the organization in 2007. We've been getting some great momentum and really receiving increased demand for our programs. And next year, we're on track to reach an entire school district with our education programs. And that really brought about the realization that we need to sustain our programs. We've become an asset to the communities we serve, and we want to make sure our programs can continue well into the future. So we've decided to launch an eco-tour program that will open up our educational tours to everyone because for years they've been limited to the underserved youth that, that we're targeting. But now we're offering private tours to small groups Well, you'll receive an expert tour guide. And these trips will focus on our same species that we've been focusing on where we have the most knowledge of these animals, sea turtles, whales, and birds. But the packages include all your transportation, all your admission, parking, your tour guide. So it's really designed to be a one-stop shop for visitors that wanna see another side of San Diego, where they want to get behind the scenes and get a really personalized tour that caters to their group's needs. That's what we're offering the community now. And it's a way for us to let everyone in on these incredible coastal experiences that we've been sharing with kids. Now we want to open that up to tourists and families and residents and really expand outward because that'll make our impact even greater. And additionally, the cost of the eco tours is going to offset the costs of our free youth programs. So that means when someone takes an eco tour, they're helping make the same incredible experiences possible for low income children. So what I think I'm hearing is that basically you guys made such an amazing youth program and 
you have all these kids talking about this incredible experience they had with you that other people wanted to join as well. Absolutely. (laughs) And I have to admit, when I was checking out and I was on your site, these are really unique opportunities. And so I'd love to kind of have you describe what tourists can expect. And let's start with our turtles, those incredible sea turtles we've been talking about the entire episode. If I were to book your tour and go out this weekend, what kind of experience am I looking to have? So with our sea turtle program, you can choose between a half day or a full day tour. You can start your day with kayaking inside of San Diego Bay, which is a place where you can spot green sea turtles. If you're really lucky, you can see them popping up to breathe air at the water's surface. So for our sea turtle tour, we like to start with kayaking around San Diego Bay and around the Chula Vista Wildlife Refuge. And then we can close out that day with a visit to the Living Coast Discovery Center, which is one of our main partners. They're a living museum museum and nature and nature facility located in the wildlife refuge. It's a great spot to see sea turtles that have been rescued as well as lots of other rehabilitated birds. So these are animals that may have been injured in the wild and now they're surviving at this educational facility. So we like to lead groups for our turtle tour through kayaking and then a visit to the Living Coast Discovery Center. And you get this expert tour guide who can take you behind the scenes and teach you everything you would wanna know about sea turtles as well as all the other wildlife. Now, you guys just are in the process of launching this. How soon can people book these tours? Our tours are actually available now, so you can log on to our website, which is oceanconnectors.org slash eco-tours, and you can submit an inquiry, and our team is ready to go. So we've already provided an eco-tour this year, and we're looking to book these every couple weeks. We really want to get this program going because we feel like the sooner we do, the sooner we're going to have more support for protecting wildlife in San Diego. I think they're going to be really popular. Thank you. (laughs) So let's talk about the next one, which is your whale watching tour. What can tourists expect on that experience? Our whale watching tour is made possible through our partnership with Flagship. So in our whale tour, you'll board the Marietta whale watching boat, and we have our own special seating area and special educational materials where we're allowed to really go and have an in-depth educational experience that's that's just for our groups with our special seating area on the boat. And then with that tour, you can add on a walking tour of the San Diego waterfront downtown. So if going out on the boat and seeing sea and seeing dolphins and whales wasn't enough, then we can do a walking tour around downtown San Diego. And it's a way for visitors or even residents to get a really personalized up-close experience of San Diego Bay with our experts who have all the historical knowledge of the area. So it's really opening the door to a little more in-depth, behind-the-scenes San Diego experience. And it is such a unique area. I know when I first moved here, actually my great uncle took me around that area and loved describing all the buildings and some of that history. So I can only imagine such a rich, unique experience for all the guests who go on that trip. Yes, thank you. Now, I have to admit, I'm not necessarily a huge bird fan, so I imagine this is still an amazing trip, but what about your bird tour? 
Sure. Yeah, San Diego is actually a bird hotspot. So we get incredible birds visiting from down south as well as from up north. So birds pass through this area, which is basically the end of the Pacific Flyway. It goes further into Mexico, but we're towards the southern end of the Pacific Flyway. And so birds stop off on the wetlands and on the coast of San Diego Bay as they're flying south and north. And as a result of that, we get these incredible migrant birds that are visible for part of the year or sometimes year-round in certain areas. But the bird watching in San Diego is, is really spectacular. And so for that, we, we like to do a biking tour. Everybody gets to use a set of binoculars and they get their own local bird guide. And we allow everybody to get a look at the wildlife that, that uses South San Diego Bay. And the Bayshore Bikeway is a bicycle path that goes around all of San Diego Bay. We like to utilize that as a way to get a little physically active in the outdoors and really to get a full view of San Diego Bay. So the bird watching is really something special because I think sometimes we don't realize the incredible birds that we have right here in our own backyard. Now, I'm assuming when you say that you take them on a biking tour, I'm guessing that looking for birds is encouraged once you kind of stop. Exactly. Yeah, we set up stations along the way and then we look at the birds and we stop. And then for all of our tours, you can add on lunch as an option. We're working with local restaurant partners to provide lunch when groups want to add on lunch. So we can always make a stop along a really beautiful scenic spot along the tour and have our lunch there. And that's all provided for you. So it's one less thing for the group to think about. And our our team handles that. The full on experience. And thankfully, you will take somebody like me who would have just all of a sudden gone on a bird watching tour with the bike and just been looking for birds the whole time and run into somebody. So glad to hear that you guys have stations and what a great and unique way to explore the culture that we have here, the animal culture that we have here in San Diego. Yes, the animal culture that's that's vital to our, our region. And just so unique. Well, with that, I think we're ready for some rapid fire. Okay. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. Can you tell us about a recent adventure or excursion you've gone on? Sure. Well, I should say that with Ocean Connectors, I feel very lucky that every day feels like an adventure. So it's it's something that I feel fortunate. I have some kind of exciting experience most days, but I did get to go to Australia last year, and that was a trip I've been planning ever since I was a kid. And I'm fairly new scuba diver. So I've become, I've started scuba diving recently. And when I was in Australia, I got this really incredible up close 
experience with a Hawksbill sea turtle, which is a sea turtle that's it's endangered and it's some an animal that we've been working to protect. And so getting to see the, the Hawksbill sea turtle deep underwater was incredible because for just a moment, you're in their environment and, and they look at you like you're sort of coming in from the outside. And it's such a change of pace to be underwater in the sea turtle's habitat versus seeing them from the surface. So for me, that was really, really an incredible experience that I'll never forget, having the sea turtles swim up and, and sort of, you know, check us out because we're the scuba divers in, in their environment. That was that was pretty cool. Oh, what a unique experience. I'm actually, that just sounds so fantastic. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I want to go to Australia. I'm actually hoping to go to New Zealand this year. So it's kind of in the same region. Yeah, yeah. Many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. How have you found this to be beneficial to your work? Well, I grew up playing outside in Southern California. And so my life's work has always been guided by my experiences with nature. And I've been an animal lover since I was a kid and have always known that I was going to, in some way, dedicate myself to helping the environment. And I think what I realized later in my life was that you could have a big impact through working with the public. And I realized that one of the greatest ways to make a difference is to inspire others. And so I sort of made that realization a little later in my life, but being able to lead these tours for groups and for children and to show them the magic of our local environment, for me, that is so rewarding. Oh, inspiring others around your love of nature. Ooh, that's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Can you describe a time when you were able to have boots on the ground and really see the need for your work in action? I think that in this line of work and in running Ocean Connectors, I feel it's very important to remember that every moment we have with these people is a potential moment to craft these incredible memories that could potentially be life-changing. And you just never know how someone might be impacted by the experiences we're bringing them. So I always try to remember that what could be a normal day for me and our educators can really be life-changing for some of these, these students. And the little comments, um, things like, I want to stay here all day and and things like oh do, what are we doing next year when the students are already looking ahead to the to the year ahead or for our eco tour guests them wanting to book their next tour right away to see the other programs that we offer for me it's just a constant reminder that what we're doing here really really matters um, what has been one of your biggest successes with ocean connectors one of our biggest successes with Ocean Connectors has been the incredible support we've received from a local school district in San Diego. We've been partnering with National City School District and focusing on serving students in their schools for the past few years. And we were able to take that partnership to the next level last year when the school district offered us a small office and storage space inside the district headquarters. So what that means is we now have a working office space where we can meet with interns and store our educational supplies. And this is a pretty unique, rare partnership where a school district, after years of seeing the impact our programs are having on their students, has offered this space to us to make us stronger and to give us more resources. So our support from National School District has been absolutely incredible. And frankly, they just see that the students are enjoying our programs and benefiting so much that their district personnel wants to do what they 
can to help us. So Ocean Connectors has been a grassroots organization since I started it in 2007. There was many years where we didn't have an office space. So, you know, most of the work was done off my living room couch or something like that or coffee shops. Those are good places. (laughs) Yeah, those are good places. But it was definitely a strain to be able to utilize volunteers and interns when we didn't have a workspace. But Ocean Connectors has always been about serving these children. So there was no desire on my part to invest in a really, you know, fancy office space. We wanted to keep serving the local students. And so the district seeing that offered us this space that now we're receiving at no cost. And that allows more of our donor dollars, the people that contribute to Ocean Connectors, for them to know that the funds really go directly towards the programs and towards serving the kids. So that's been an incredible thing that's happened in the past years that we now have this donated office space. And we really formalized our relationship with National School District so that next year our plan is to include every single child in National City. That'll be huge. Yeah, it really will. Although I do have to say I personally uh, do my podcast mostly from my kitchen table. So there's a (laughs) lot of power of working at your kitchen table. It kind of reminds you of you know, everything that you want to move forward with the project, right? Yes, and you definitely have to be motivated to get it all done from home. It's true because, you know, right over there, I've got, you know, entire kitchen sink that I could be cleaning right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, but it also is a great opportunity that as you expand to remind you of where you started and see how far you've grown. Yes, definitely. What book do you recommend to others who want to make a socially minded impact? I have, I have been doing some ex- really great reading lately, so I, I strongly recommend these two books. Uh, the first one is War of the Whales, and that's by Joshua Horowitz. And that's a book that describes whale strandings from a very unique perspective. The book's written almost like it's fiction, but it's, it's not. It's a, it's a true story and really describes the incredible political forces that are involved with protecting whales because whales migrate all over the world and, and they utilize sonar. Um, and so that book is really just kind of mind-blowing with what's going on out there in the, in the pelagic ocean, way out there in the ocean, War of the Whales. And the next one I love is called Blue Mind. That's by Wallace J. Nichols. And Blue Mind is an exploration into how the ocean benefits us neurologically, physically, therapeutically. Uh, Jay does a great job looking at what benefits you receive when you go to the beach and spend time by the water. And it's incredible. It's, it's some of the latest research on showing how being next to water makes you feel better. It makes you healthier. It can, you know, just benefit all of us in so many ways. After reading that book, you'll never think twice about, you know, whether it's a good idea to go to the river, to the lake or to the ocean, because it has real health benefits. Oh, after I stand up paddleboarding this weekend, I can totally agree. It was so peaceful and serene. Well, at least for me, you know, my husband was a little bit less stable on his board. So <laughs> peaceful was it his descriptor. But it is it's very rejuvenating to be out on the water. Yeah, it really is. So that that book's Blue Mind and both of those books are just really excellent, excellent reading. Is there a mantra or a motto that guides forward your work with Ocean Connectors? Absolutely. I was really lucky when I came into the nonprofit world, which was a bit of a surprise even to me. I was very lucky to come in under under some incredible mentors. And now I'm aware of how incredibly important it is to have good mentors and role models. I was very lucky that I 
started Ocean Connectors under the leadership of, of two people that will just, you know, they just were such emblems in this in this nonprofit world. And they they taught me a very important motto, and that was to believe in your mission and just to believe in your mission whole wholeheartedly. Because if you have any doubts, if you have any doubts that what you're doing has value, then there's really no way to to compete in this in this nonprofit world. And it's not a competition, really. What I was taught early on was that you you have to know what you're doing is very valued and and that it's impactful. And if you always remember that, then that keeps driving you forward. And for me, it's helped erase a lot of the fear that comes with fundraising and trying to run the nonprofit. You have to always know that what you're doing really, really matters. And that belief and that you know conviction that what you're doing has true value will keep you going even when things are tough. Oh, believe in your mission. So yeah. simple yet so powerful. Francis, what is one tip that our listener can do today to make a positive impact in the world? Well, we would love for the listeners to log on to our website and sign up for an eco-tour. We'd love to meet some of the listeners and to take them out on one of these coastal excursions that we're offering to the public now. And aside from joining us on a future eco-tour... Which would be incredible. (laughs) Which would be incredible, yes. And then the tours are available now and the information's up on our website. So that's one way to help because when people sign up for an eco-tour, a portion of the proceeds will go back into our programs, helping make these experiences possible for local kids but I would encourage everyone to take a to take a look at what they're using at home and to try to use less plastic bags and to try to use less plastic silverware and then of course to try to get to know recycling a little better because there's sort of a widespread misinformation that recycling is the magic bullet that can save us and I think truthfully people don't often understand recycling they don't understand that it's very energy intensive and that it's not going to solve every problem we need to also look at reducing and reusing and then recycling the classic three r's Uh, we really need to make sure we know what's recyclable and and that we're putting the right things in the recycle bin and that's important for our local landfills and and for proper waste management so focus focus on cutting down that that single-use plastic and get to know your recycling bin a little better Francis, thank you so much for everything today. This has been an incredible insight to not only the beautiful world in San Diego, but all the amazing things that the ocean offers us. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, movers and shakers, that wraps up another inspiring episode and continues our journey on an entire month-long feature up to Earth Day. Join us on Friday as we connect with Cindy, who's going to talk about the schools in National City and why Ocean Connectors is so important to that particular district. I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly inspired to get outside and really explore the nature, especially this being my very last weekend in San Diego. I'm going to head over to the bay and see if I can see any sea turtles since I had no idea they were here. By the time the episode airs, I will actually be in Thailand, so I will keep you posted if I found any or maybe just document those jumping fish they have in the area. 
Join us on Friday as we connect with Cindy, who works in National City School District and is going to describe how important this program is for this particular school district and why their relationship with Ocean Connectors is really inspiring individuals. For all of the resources mentioned today, head on over to our show notes page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash ocean connectors. There, we're going to also have a link for two free audio downloads for you so you can get both books that Francis recommended today, including War of the Whales and Blue Mind. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.